remember days full of restlessness and fury I remember nights that were drunk on dreams I remember someone who hungered for the glory I remember her, but it seems she's gone Where's the girl? Where's the girl with the blaze in her eyes? Where's the girl with the gaze of surprise? Now and then I still dream she's beside me. Where's the girl who could turn on the edge of a knife? Where's the girl who was burning for life? I can still feel her breathing beside me. And I know she remembers how fearless it feels To take off with the wind at your heels She and I took this world like a storm Come again, let the girl in your heart tumble free Bring your renegade heart home to me In the dark of the morning I'll walk Hello and welcome to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, July 11th, 2021. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter's a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His columns appear at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hello. Hello. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of castalbumreviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at followspotphoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. Also with us is a very special guest. William Michaels is joining us. Broadway fans know... William, from his appearances on Broadway and Beauty and the Beast, South Pacific, Bright Star, he's uh, been doing touring productions uh, of Les Miserables, The Scarlet Pimpernel, and most recently, My Fair Lady, and we're going to talk about that, William, in a second, aren't we? Good morning, we will, indeed. So, thank you for getting up on a Sunday morning and chatting with us. Uh, when last you were performing, was it the last you were performing? You were out on the road with My Fair Lady uh, doing the Lincoln Center uh, production of it. And was that the last thing that you did before the shutdown? Yeah, in fact, we were in Columbus, Ohio. Um, we opened to uh, sold-out run, standing ovations, um, Great opening night in Columbus, and the next morning we were closed. That's what happened in March of oh, last year, mm. alas. So, um, yeah, we, we were in limbo for a few days as everything kind of shook down, and we were home by the end of the week. Let's flash forward to this upcoming September. What's going to happen now? Woohoo! My Fair Lady reopens down in Houston. So, on September 2nd, we fly down and, uh, pretty condensed rehearsal period uh, to get a production up and running. Rehearsing uh, in, in Texas or? Rehearsing? Yeah, yeah, rehearsing, okay. rehearsing down there um, in Texas for a while. And then we, uh, then the tour picks up. We were one of the lucky ones. Uh, our tour dates have kind of just leapfrogged and kind of added on and add, um, you know, as they got canceled, 
the presenters have wanted to keep us going because it's a, of course, it's a, an amazing production, great show. Um, in fact, we'll be at the Dolby in Los Angeles for pretty much the month of October, and then at the Orpheum in San Francisco for November. And it's going to keep on plugging away. Uh, so it, it's a it's a wonderful gift. Beautiful do you production. have any uh, Do you have any idea if the uh, same cast is returning, or uh, is it a mix and match, or do you have any to, clue? To my knowledge, the um, uh, the cast is pretty much intact. I think that's true for all the principals. I'm not sure for the uh, for the remainder of the of the company. Um, Who were the principals so, when you when you stopped? Well, I mean, Shireen Ahmed um, is a amazing Eliza Doolittle, um, and uh, she uh, she will be returning. And it's it's uh, uh, gosh, I can go through mm-hmm. uh, everybody, uh, but let's just say that uh, she is luminous, um, and she she performed the role in New York. So from there on down, uh, as far as I consider, uh, we've got the most I don't know most beautiful cast. On, their, uh, on the road or of the show. What did My Fair Lady mean to you before this happened? Was it a f- property you were tremendously familiar with uh, through the movie? Uh, had you ever done it before, here, there, or anywhere? And no, I ha- well, you know, I shouldn't say that. Silly. Um, in fact, the second, perf- um, second production at the Paper Mill Playhouse, I was a member of the Cockney Quartet mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. back when. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Robert Johansson directed titty and probably sure. <laughs> yeah um probably back then um that was the um, early 90s um april playhouse was was a force to be reckoned with and um yes yeah, so that season my fair lady and oh the yeston carpet phantom uh-huh. remember those days um and uh, so i hadn't thought about it very much you know i suppose we actors um, really focus on the shows where sure. you feel that um, you know there's there's something particular for us. I mean, I've always loved the uh, the property and the um, you know, all the music from it. But now um, I had a chance to perform as understudy as um, Doolittle at the Kennedy Center, and it's funny how some things just fit. You know, it was Bart Share gives us all sorts of leeway to. Um, to be ourselves and to uh, create. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't necessarily have thought of myself as a doolittle, but, but uh, it fits. Um, and what fun. Yeah, um, I remember Harvey Evans telling me that when he was an understudy in Barnum for Jim Dale, that um, just naturally when they would pass each other in the hall, he'd say, how are you? And then realize that there were more implications when you say, <laughs> how are you to a star? Because, you know, but you're essentially saying, are you too sick to go on? Am I going to go on tonight? Um, have you ever had experiences much like that? You know, I've, I've been a standby. I've been understudy for uh, many productions. Um, and I've, of course, been, you know, understudied uh, in many roles. It's a, once you've done it, um, yeah, obviously you have the sympathy and empathy for the uh, for the actors that you're uh, that are understudying you. Even so, there are times when there's, there's, there's that oddness, you know. Um, 
Yeah, when gosh, their family's in from out of town, and, uh-huh. and somebody says, "Hey, um, you want to take Saturday matinee off by chance?" Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it depends. It depends upon the the situation. Um, there are opportunities where um, where where that is possible. In fact, my first performance in South Pacific. Um, was just after the uh, Tony voting had happened, um, and I was standing by for Emil Debeck. Um, and um, then, it, right after the toting, Tony voting ended and the pressure was off, um, the lovely Paolo Schott uh, found an afternoon where you know, it actually turned out to be a weekend where he needed to rest. And, mm-hmm. hmm. uh, and, and things worked out. Uh, I was nicely. lucky enough to see you in it. Um, how many Nellies did you play opposite? <laughs> I think <laughs> I think four, four or five. Wow. Um, yeah, of course. You know, Kelly O'Harris that was the, uh, the, the my first Nelly there at Lincoln Center, um, and then uh, many many performances once I took over the role uh, uh, with Laura Osnes. It was just uh, just just the epitome of. Um, poise and beauty and, and talent, just just a joy um, to share the stage with her. Um, you know, so with so many performances, um, so that was just a glorious production uh, and a dream. That was two and a half years and we, that we ran. That was associated with that production, and it was a joy, beginning to end. Listening to that orchestra, listening to that overture, those strains of. Valley High. In fact, as the, as when they came back, if you remember, the orchestra or the stage withdrew. It rolled back and revealed yes. the orchestra, and the sound washed over uh, the house and never failed to be spine tingling. And even I, I'm a sap; it brought tears to my eyes often. It's just <laughs> we had a 35 or 40 piece orchestra. It was glorious. Mm. So, what have you done between your uh, your downtime when you had your last performance in Ohio, and now to keep the voice in uh, in proper order? Well, I um, I've enjoyed uh, my time off. To be honest with you, uh-huh. uh, it's uh, I sing a lot, sing a lot of concerts and performances and such, um, and uh, it's I've been lucky. Um, uh, over the course, uh, I and my family have been lucky um, health-wise, uh, and I've taken a number of trips out to California to visit my mom. We had just moved her out there uh, just before COVID hit um, to Palo Alto. My sister lives down the street there in Stanford, and uh, I've taken trips out and gone to the national parks, um, and it's been a kind of cathartic year for me. Uh, what makes a good concert? Uh, what have you learned by doing these concerts? So there are things that should be done, shouldn't be done. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I remember. In fact, James and I worked on this way back um, in 2001 when I was doing um, Beauty and the Beast at the time. Uh, and uh, we were formulating what was the, the germ of uh, uh, the, the seed for um, the uh, my new uh, my concerts my solo concerts William Michaels Broadway and concert kind of imaginatively named uh, and 
and, uh, and uh, at the time there was uh, lots of there was Sondheim and um, uh, uh, more uh, less mainstream um, or familiar big hit uh, type numbers um, and for me in the kind of classic voice category um, I have found uh, as we were talking before that the hits like Some Enchanted Evening and If Ever I Would Leave You, um, The Impossible Dream, those are great, recognizable, uh, and, um, you know, kind of reverberant uh, songs for a reason. They're classics because they're great works of art. Uh, and those are always an anchor for me uh, in my concerts, for instance. Those songs are songs similar to that. Um, and then there's, um, you can bring in some unknown pieces, some new uh, compositions, um, maybe some kind of funny uh, up-tempos, uh, specialty numbers. Um, but I have learned over the years that for the satisfying experience, both for me and the audience, that we you get the highest quality uh, pieces, uh, and uh, and people we all leave satisfied. And by the way, if you guys hear some noises in the background, it's the New York City Triathlon driathlon <laughs> going right by. <laughs> right are by you here. running it as you? Uh, yes. Are you running it? I as am. You I am. Yes. And, and it's so very impressive. My breath control, and I'm not even out of breath. <laughs> speaking of speaking of famous uh, numbers the specific impetus for asking uh, william to join us today was that i just saw him on stage at uh, feinstein's 54 below in scott siegel's uh evening celebrating july 4th and among other things uh william performed 76 trombones which was certainly appropriate mm. <laughs> all right yeah americana uh and i yeah, the program rounded out with America the Beautiful. Um, it was, you know, I, I'm a, I, I love the red, white, and blue. I'm a, I, um, I won't get into politics right now, but I, I have not um, one whit um, ever wavered from uh, from loving patriotic uh, programs um, and materials and such. And when we're working with great musicals like. Um, Music Man and Oklahoma, and it's just a great repertoire that really speaks Americana. Um, it's a great way to celebrate uh, the holiday. Where are it you from a, originally? Uh, um, um, exotic New Jersey. What <laughs> <laughs> town exactly? <laughs> Grew up in Cranford uh, and uh, Spring Lake. Uh, it was uh, kind of a family home. And hmm. I, I get down there to get down to the beach, um, get down the shore. Frequently, uh, frequently still. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, say that rejoining the, the company, My Fair Lady, is going to be such a joy um, because uh, I just haven't seen all this, these folks in a long time. We've had meetings in the course of this year. It's been a very tumultuous uh, year in terms of society, um, politics, and health, and a lot of issues that we've um, that we've been uh, that have kept our company. Uh, in touch in meetings um, and uh, we've grown even even though we've been at a distance uh, we have grown um, closer um, and uh, the connections uh, 
and the way that we're going to interact is probably going to be improved um, and more meaningful uh, as we've uh, discussed issues of, of race and politics and um, uh, just you know, all the all the issues that have that have really bubbled to the surface um, uh, this this past year. And I I think that the theater community and and compositions and the directions for directors are going to take is really going to be informed um, as well as a, the perspective of audiences. So when I, when I see Shireen, it's Laird McIntosh playing Henry Higgins, he's coming back and um, Adam Grupper is, is, is Doolittle and Leslie Alexander and Mrs. Higgins. And Kevin, of course, is Pickering. Um, and it just, the, the whole cast is, we're going to be, telling the story with new eyes, I think, uh, in a way. And Shireen is a woman of color. And, and as, as I, things that we hadn't thought about um, as much when the show was opening, all of a sudden reverberate. Um, and um, just, I'm looking forward to, to being on stage and telling the story again um, with all the great company members and, singing the great music um, and telling the story through, uh, through Bart's eyes. This popped into my head. Do you remember, do you guys remember how Archie Bunker on um, all in the family used to misquote things all the time? Yeah. And do you you remember uh, what he called uh, that famous song from my fair lady? (laughs) I've grown accustomed to first base. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which brings us up to uh, uh, William's dating life. No. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> My Good kids life. are 22 and 24. <laughs> I think I've proceeded past first base. Um, <laughs> and that's that's about the that's about the extent of my sports referencing though just so mm. you know okay. all right okay. but cranford has a great community theater did you uh go there as a kid did you perform there is that where you got your interest in theater oh well that's so nice yes yeah, it's, it's, it's true they do um i i have not done any theater in cranford my summers were all spent down in spring lake and there's a, a Precious oh, jewel yeah, box of a theater sure down is. there. Yeah. Um, the Spring Lake Community Playhouse. And I got to give a shout out to Pat Barry, who oh, was running yeah. the joint mm-hmm. way back then and is still there. I just poked my head in the other day. They're doing a production of Anything Goes. Um, if uh, For those uh, able to get down to the shorts, exit 98 mm-hmm. off the parkway mm-hmm. <laughs> over there. But it's a beautiful town. Uh, and uh, yeah, they're. Uh, it's a such a safe and it was a safe place to work back then uh and uh i think i spent six summers altogether in fact isn't it isn't it funny when i was 16 mm. i did a meal to back in south pacific Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah yeah and it was actually 25 years between then and um, and the Lincoln Center production, uh, I hadn't actually done another production of it since then. Um, and, but uh, 
Well, by 16, nice. you, you, by 16, you had this booming voice, I guess. But who was the one who said, William, you have such an interesting and wonderful mellifluous voice, speaking voice. Um, can you sing? Do you sing? Would you like to sing? How did all that start? <laughs> a guy named Peter, Peter, Phil. Uh, that, I like the way you put it there. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I, I, um, in my family, my dad, Right, Bill Michaels uh, and William Jr. Um, he had a gorgeous baritone voice. He used it as an attorney. Ah. His brother, his brother Raymond Michalski. My dad was born uh, William Michalski. Um, he, uh, my uncle Ray sang at the Met, and he was a uh, mm. a supporting bass. He, he 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 died too young, unfortunately, but he had a great career uh, there at the Met. Uh, but my grandfather, uh, Grandpa Michalski, and his brother Ed, they all, everybody were basses and, and baritones. Um, and um, so uh, genetically, it's, it's, it's interesting. The actual timbre mm-hmm. of the voice has passed down. My son is mm-hmm. not a singer, but he, uh, even in his speaking voice, he's got um, a, uh, a good, strong baritone. Uh, and you know, after doing, you know, all state choir and, and the musicals and such, um, I went to Boston university and studied opera on the side, um, international relations was the major, believe it or not. And then after a couple of years of, um, floating about after college decided that this is kind of what I love to do most, do the best. I didn't do anything else nearly as well. Um, and, um, and voila, hmm. there was, there was a career. So, you know, the, uh, the voice. I don't think we've actually had you as a guest on the podcast before, but I was Googling our past shows and I came up from one, uh, with one from 2012 titled, we love William Michaels. And it was Whoa. all about you in Sweeney Todd at the Pennsylvania Shakespeare oh, Festival, yeah. which both Peter and I had seen and raved about. And then I looked mm-hmm. up, I just looked up a review. It's so interesting. Peter and I um, agreed that um, your look in that show was incredible. And it sort of reminded us of Riff Raff in, uh, <laughs> in, in Rocky <laughs> Horror. But I also, I just looked up this review by George Hatza in the Reading oh, Bull. Know George, yeah. Yeah. And he wrote, with his piercing eyes and long Long, stringy, graying hair. Michael's Sweeney suggests Vlad the Impaler <laughs> more than funny. more than a Victorian barber donning the traditional Sweeney wig so often worn by actors in this ferociously demanding role. He seduces his prey as a vampire would, cajoling them into a luxurious relaxation before slitting their throats on his specially designed barber's chair and providing Mrs. Lovett with the meat necessary for her suddenly popular pies. Hmm. And I also found um, we will put it in the show notes a link to a a video that that you did of you preparing for the role, you know, being made up and getting into the wig, and that's that's really fun to watch. Oh yeah, the um, uh, my God, that was a great production mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, a great role, of course, uh, to to perform. And I know I have had fabulous hair. Um, <laughs> Lisa Zinni did the. Uh, costume design she had a kind of steampunk look to the whole um production yes um and which was which carried 
I thought uh, carried very well. And certainly, yeah, a lot of fun. Look, I mean, how can you not have fun playing Sweeney? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, and, and it's you know these. Uh, it's nice that the a lot of the baritone repertoire um, is um, you get dads and you know, more mature characters, and not often the ingenues who are baritones or bass baritones, and uh, as much as uh, roles that all have a chance to play again and again. Right. So you had um, a performance last night at 54 Below with you and a handful of people were performing uh, some of Broadway's greatest hits. Uh, Mm -hmm. Who else was there with you? Um, Well, one of the... um, Scott Siegel puts together a great cast um, of of, uh, of folks and uh, Leanne Marie Dobbs and I uh, have concertized together. Uh, and she and I duetted on where or when, you know, great uh-huh. actress and heart mm-hmm. number. Um, and she and I, where do we do our whole concert together in uh, St. Louis? Um, so she, she's one of the, um, one of my favorites. And um, Ron Abel was on the piano. He was the music director for the night. Oh, wow. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, Certainly, amazing, amazing talent um, and uh, great collaborators. John Easterlin, uh, a, a Metropolitan Opera tenor as well. Uh, he uh, he joined the the company, singing some classic. Uh, let me see. He ended with "Climb Every Maiden." I mean, "Climb Every Mountain." <laughs> from, uh, That's a whole <laughs> different song. <laughs> Baritone joke, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it better not be with someone 16 going on 17. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I must have done something good. Uh, the um, mm-hmm. the uh, and some some rising stars and such. Uh, he uh, Scott puts together a great program, so um, they're always always satisfying. Nice, there's variety of talent and, and repertoire. Actually, there's a, there was a wonderful full circle kind of a thing in the July 4th show that I saw because uh, my friends, the Drinkwater Brothers, uh, Matt and oh, John, yeah. were in it. And they apparently had seen Beauty and the Beast multiple times uh, over the years. And so they, they uh, <laughs> I was speaking to their mom and she's been looking for the playbills and she hasn't found all of them because I think literally there are. 30 or more. <laughs> um, and she's wow. not a hundred percent sure, but it's very likely that they saw William either as Gaston or as the beast. And it's kind of hard to tell it when you're the beast. Yeah. I mean, sorry, but you, mm, right, know, exactly. you don't get a lot of FaceTime, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting though. Um, uh, uh, James and I, uh, when we were developing my solo concert, which now I've done all over the country, you know, from, you know, my mom's uh, 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 community uh, in, uh, in just last month, uh, now that we're able to perform again to, you know, larger venues around, mm. around the country. Um, it was right around 9-11 that I was playing guest on, uh, on Broadway. And, um, of course, that happened on a Tuesday morning. And our mm-hmm. first scheduled performance of uh, William Michaels uh, in concert was the following Saturday, the 15th. And uh, James and I decided, you know, like the rest of the New York theater community, we 
um, Beauty and the Beast was up and running again. I already had the night off to do, um, you know, for this concert um, engagement at Cami Hall, the old Cami Hall on, on 57th Street. Mm. Uh, Which and, is no longer uh, there, right? No. Right. It's, yeah. I, I don't know if the hall exists anymore, or if it's been repurposed um but it's definitely not in, in use right it's a performance venue but um but there we were saturday night um and we uh we made it happen that was the feeling back then uh that we were going to get up on our feet um and uh, we as a you know as a family decided that um, that's what we needed to do back then. So I have, I want to say it's been such an interesting and different perspective this time around the same type of feel um, of um, like a, a blow to the community um, to, to not perform with COVID. We, of course, being performing in large venues in a pandemic, we were hit earliest that we had shut down, but as opposed to kind of being the vanguard and stepping up and being the first type of activity to come back, we're like the last, um, just by nature of things. So we, after 9-11, we were back up performing on 9-13-2001, on Thursday night mm -hmm. uh, on Broadway. And here we are a year and a half later, just getting back on our feet again. Um, so it's, um, it's been a, difficult experience for a lot of a lot of people uh, in the biz um and I, i'm sorry to say that uh, some people i know have kind of had to move on to different mm -hmm. different work um, sure. they've moved out of the city mm -hmm. um a lot of the young artists in fact um you know they 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 had to go go back home to wherever that that may be um, and let's hope they they come back because we need to re reinvigorate things so i i really appreciate you guys keeping um, keeping these podcasts going and keeping the the word out there and covering and attending uh, performances at 54 Below and wherever. Um, thank you very much. You have uh, 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 William Michaels Broadway in concert, trademark, uh, coming up in, uh, <laughs> in August in New Jersey. Tell us more about this uh, this date. Uh, well, I am hoping that Ron Abel uh, will be the uh, pianist and the music director on it um and leanne marie dobbs may actually join me on it as well it's, it's, it's as communities and as venues are uh, are putting their programs back together again i'm, I'm going to be up in wanakew new jersey um uh, and uh, you can look for information at williammichaels.com for it but it's uh it's my in fact this is going to be a 90-minute program um of Broadway standards, romantic showstoppers, um, and uh, certain you know, things from roles that I've done uh, in uh, Chicago and South Pacific, Man of La Mancha, Camelot, a lot of Lerner and Lowe, Rogers and Hammerstein. That's that's my wheelhouse for sure. I knew how to write them for the voice, uh, and uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast, and oh, whole slew of stuff. Um, so that that that's the the core of my concert, um, with some funny uh, funny numbers. Uh, give flavor, uh, maybe a little Neapolitan song. You know, I've got an interesting kind of um, crossover background, uh, and I like to bring that to the fore. 
Hmm. That's what so, we do. Um, you're, so you're heading, after your August concert, heading down to uh, Houston to do My Fair Lady for a bit of time. Um, what, are, what What's life like uh, on the road? It's very different than mm-hmm. than uh, doing a Broadway production where you kind of like live in New York City and uh, do your show eight times a week. What's, what are you doing on the road? Wow. I, 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 this is this is been very interesting for me. I hadn't been on the road uh, touring uh, per se since, yeah, since 2001, in fact, um, wow. the summer that with Scarlet Pimpernel. So uh, when Bart uh, offered me a, a position of this, uh, I was like, yeah, uh, let, let's try this again. Um, and so the interesting aspect was and is that, that I kind of gave up my New York New York area address and said, okay, I'm going to be a, an actual gypsy for a while. Um, and it means downsizing your luggage, jettisoning baggage and along the, you know, and, and, and simplifying your life in a way and enjoying the experience, enjoying going to, you know, the, you know, Prince's museum in Minnesota and, and or what, you know, his studios forget the name of it now um and uh, and just doing things in each city it's it's a different experience touring as a uh, you know with a lifetime experience behind me um and appreciating what a city has um has to offer because sometimes a tour can be you know you wake up in the hotel right next to the theater you walk across the street to the stage door mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and you don't really see much but I have resolved to to enjoy uh, each uh, each city, and, and I really enjoy being on the West Coast. I spent a lot of time in California uh, over this long break, uh, so um, both Northern and Southern California are going to be uh, a lot of fun to explore. You know, and it's it, it can be a schlep. I mean, it is a schlep, um, um, but audiences and, and getting a different feel for each audience is. Also very interesting. Bart uh, Bart Shear's production of My Fair Lady has some, you know, has a lot of life, a lot of color, a lot of flavor, a lot of um, the things that, to our eyes, are pretty, you know, benign. Uh, but then you get some odd reviewers and uh, perspectives uh, on the road. That's very interesting. Connecting with the audience, audiences all around the country, they love it though. I mean, it has. It, we've been blessed. It's been a, it's been a great hit. So it's certainly easier to be on the road with a, um, with a hit. hit than with a flop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and uh, yeah, joy. Well, William, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Broadway mm-hmm. Radio. It's great to talk with you. Uh, Please, uh, very interested to see how life is different on the road when uh, you're out there doing My Fair Lady. So stay in touch with us, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back Love on it. soon. Yeah, great to great to reconnect with you guys and with uh, with everybody out there. Um, you know, getting people in into the seats, um, reminding them about the magic magic of uh, of live theater in general. Also, the particular allure and the the uh, it, it really just touches our souls um, to, to hear these songs. 
uh, and then the music, um, it, it, they create memories for us um, and they inspire and, and take us away um, and whatever is needed. It's a really magic, magic pill. Um, so thank you for, for keeping it alive, guys, helping to spread the word. This Week on Broadway is being brought to you by ExpressVPN. Most people don't understand the implications of privacy on the Internet. If you want to see it for yourself, go to Google, Facebook, or Amazon and search for something you would never search for, say, uh, ranch-flavored Doritos. I bet you that over the next week, you will see advertisements for ranch-flavored Doritos on all different websites. How do they know that? But they won't know it if you're using ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like taking a call on a train or a bus on speakerphone for everyone to hear. Don't be that person. So why does everybody need ExpressVPN? An internet service provider like Comcast or Verizon know every single website you visit. And then ISPs turn around and can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who can use your data to target you. ExpressVPN creates a secure and encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so people can't peep on your online activity. So fire up the app, click one button, and you're connected. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired, and The Verge. It works on phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. I don't want my proclivity for ranch-flavored Doritos known to everyone else, and neither should you. ExpressVPN is easy and fast, and it protects me. So secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio today. That's expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio. And you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio. We'd like to thank ExpressVPN for continuing to sponsor Broadway Radio. So, Peter, you got over to the uh, Actors Temple to see a new twist, a new production of The Importance of Being Earnest. Tell us about it. Yes, it's The Importance of Being Earnest Lee, as Richard Henry Lee would say, uh, with the uh, initials LGBTQ plus uh, added to it. So what we're dealing with here is um, a gay version of the play. And um, as a result, we're talking about gay marriage. So you couldn't really set it back in the time where uh, it originally took place in, in the Victorian era. So um, the director, Martin Cornelis, and um, probably some other people, too, decided that they would um, change it to New York City and New York Upstate, because you may recall that uh, there's town and country issues in this play. So um, so that's that doesn't quite work, because um, <clears throat> one of the big things about uh, Ernest, uh, a masterpiece of a play, needless to say, is that um, it deals with class distinctions. And while those are so terribly important in Victorian England, they're not as important here. So to hear um, Lady Bracknell rail about the fact that um, about the poor gentleman's birthright and uh, whether or not he has parents and what he came from and all that isn't as significant an issue um, for us as it is for Victorian England, uh, people in Victorian England. So that's, um, that's a little bit of a problem, but there's a bigger problem with this production. And that is, uh, as you know, the chain is as strong as the weakest link. And there's an extraordinarily weak link, weak link in this production. And that's, um, the uh, actress playing Lady Bracknell. Now, most people, when they think of Ernest, they even think of Lady Bracknell first. And yet, you know, it's funny. 
probably right up there with Phantom of the Opera. This is one of the shortest roles that is um, very well known because first off in the first and third acts, um, that's the only time that she appears in the entire second act. She's nowhere to be found and she makes late entrances um, in both acts. So, so that's kind of funky that it really is a play that's known for a really supporting character. But unfortunately the actress who plays it here has a very, 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 very thick accent. She sounds, I'm not trying to be funny. She sounds a good deal like Bella Lugosi. And as a result, um, it's very hard to understand her. Now, even if she were quite wonderful, um, uh, uh, even if she didn't have the accent, the problem is that she does tend to trail off her lines as they continue. So many of these lines are delicious lines that are punch lines, and she doesn't get the punch out of them. Now, of course, a theater review is obsolete the moment it is written, because after all, shows grow and shows can improve. But I will say at the performance I attended, she was very very unsure of her lines. And that brings us to another issue. And I wonder if indeed, I'm, I'm only theorizing here, I'm not saying this is what happened, but ironically enough, the director has added two characters into the play whom he calls Dancer 1 and Dancer 2. And occasionally they do dance around. But what they also do is appropriate many of Lady Bracknell's lines. So as a result, Lady Bracknell does not have as much to say as she usually does. She is not quite interrupted, but um, her her sentiments are augmented by these two gentlemen. And the fact is that um, that doesn't really make a lot of sense because if she's this haughty lady, that's H-A-U-G-H-T-Y, um, if she's this haughty lady, she wouldn't have her assistants uh, say things. She's not the type of person that will allow assistants to make so many comments. She would shut them up. So that's a bit of a problem too. So. Um, I mean, if if, she, if if they said anything, I mean, think of Lady Bracknell that you've seen. Uh, do you really believe that she would uh, go for uh, having her assistants come in with things? She would eat them for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a midnight <laughs> snack. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. So that's uh, because because these guys are to quote well to. Um, paraphrase another wild play these are men of no importance and she would mm -hmm. treat them as such so that would be a, a problem as well i will say i enjoyed uh, one directorial touch that i thought was terrific um cecil not cecily cecil um when meeting algernon or algae is um he's um referred to here more than um algernon um cecil has a point where he's sitting and he tucks his legs underneath himself and algae does the same. And I think that's uh, something that people do when they, um, they want to indicate that they're interested in someone, that they mirror the gesture that uh, happens there. So um, uh, I will say that some over-the-top mugging um, hurts uh, this. But um, I, I, I just don't um, see uh, the value in uh, imposing uh, the gay marriage thing on a play that um, is so rooted in its time and place that uh, I, I, I can't see it um, for this moment in time. So I do hope it improves as time goes on. I wish it well. Um, and But I would like to know if indeed those two guys were added because Lady, Lady Bracknell just had such a tough time that they had to add these guys in. Okay, so uh, that's over at the Ap Actors Temple Theater, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Michael, you got over to a movie theater. 
and saw Rita Marino, Just a Girl Who Decided to Go For It, which is a documentary. So tell us about this. Well, I'm really glad I saw it. She's quite a fascinating person with an amazing career. Uh, unfortunately, in my opinion, she she's supremely talented, but she's not really that good when it comes to making public pronouncements about things. And she seems... Um, very confused about about a few things and keeps contradicting herself as far as I can see it, uh, it on several subjects, including whether um, people should only play their own ethnicity uh, when when they are playing roles. And also um, there's discussion of the uh, the character of Googie Gomez in The Ritz, which she so memorably created on stage and then played in the film as well, um, that, you know, whether that role is a stereotype or a send-up of a stereotype. Well, I mean, of course it's a send-up, but if you say it's a send-up, does that also mean that it's not also a stereotype? Uh, Terrence McNally is one of the many talking heads in the movie, and he describes uh, the part as a loving stereotype. Uh, so uh, that's his perspective on it. But um, yeah, she really seems to um, be of two minds about uh, her, her, her own career, which involved her playing other ethnicities very frequently in, in the early days of her career, especially she would play um, uh, native Americans and, uh, and other ethnicities as well as uh, occasionally playing uh, some form of Latina. So, uh, and she, this has gotten her into kind of contradictions where um, there was an interview recently where she was interviewed with George Shakiris, um, with whom she played in West Side Story, of course, in the film. And both of them received uh, Best Featured or Best Supporting Actor Oscars for that, by the way, uh, for their brilliant performances in that movie. And here she is... Um, going on about uh how about how so many of the people in the original film were not actually uh Puerto Ricans or or Latina and she focused on Natalie Wood but all the while sitting next to her is George Takiras who is Greek uh <laughs> and certainly not Puerto Rican so uh, she, you know I I just wish she would oh and then uh there was another very unfortunate recent uh, recent incident where she at first defended mm -hmm. uh Lynn Manuel Miranda for the charges of non-representative casting in the film of In the Heights, uh, Manuel Miranda, by the way, is one of the producers of this documentary about Rita Moreno. So mm -hmm. she at first defended him. And as soon as she got some blowback, she she walked it back and and, and apologized for having said that. So, uh, gosh, you know, I don't know. I mean, either you believe something or you don't. Um, and I think you should at least stick with it. So that that's my feeling on uh, Rita Moreno. But I but all of that said, I would absolutely try to see the documentary. I saw it on the big screen at the AMC on 42nd Street, but you can certainly download it or stream it uh, through various methods. And there are copious clips in it, by the way, many, many, many clips, which I went to see it with our mutual friend, Kevin McInerney. And he was amazed by that because we all know how much it costs mm. to do that uh, normally. So I'm not sure what kind of, 
what kind of uh, deal they worked out with, but there were clips from, uh, oh, uh, one more, one more quick thing. <laughs> she, she goes on about how awful it, it was um, to play top Tim in the King and I, because the role is so boring and, you know, basically so, uh, so so uh, morose and such a doormat and 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 always uh, whining. I shouldn't use whining, but the there was the kind of the uh, idea that she gave. Well, I'm sorry. Tup Tim is a very strong character. She she stands up to the king at the end, uh, which is unheard of. Uh, and mm-hmm. she, uh, you know, I, so I guess she missed all of that, uh, you know, or forgot that 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 aspect of the role. But I, I, I just it seemed unseemly f- f- uh, to me for her to be complaining about playing Tuptim in The King and I. Um, Michael, is there any reference to her doing She Loves Me in London? There is a quick, uh, yeah. There are quick shots of the uh, posters uh-huh. and maybe the cast album. Not, uh-huh. not a, not a lot of discussion uh-huh. of it. But I think she does uh, no, make note of that as a case where she was happy to play a role right. that was not necessarily right. mm-hmm. la- uh, Latina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So uh, there's also just a, a little bit of news that came out on on Saturday over at Park Avenue Armory yeah. um, that they ha- they have a uh, production of uh, Enemy of the People that's been canceled because uh, Ann Dowd has uh, needed to unexpectedly leave the production. Uh, for a family uh, matter. Um, and that's all they really said about it. Uh, got pretty good reviews. Uh, uh, Peter, did, were you scheduled to see it? Did you see it? Or? I was scheduled for the 28th. Uh, so no, I did not see it. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll um, keep our ears open and see what um, you know is said about this. Uh, and, and again, it got good reviews. So it's mm. it doesn't seem like this is, you know, the type of thing that would be like saving face by closing a production or something like that. It seemed like, Mm. you know, and uh, Park Avenue Armory, certainly socially distanced enough as far as the pictures that I saw, (laughs) just an enormous, enormous space. Yes. Yes. Amazing that it's, it's, it's there here right in Manhattan. All right. So that wraps it up for today. Before we get on to trivia and our musical moment, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of BroadwayRadio.com. There's a subscribe link that way each and every time. We have a uh, new episode of This Week on Broadway. It can be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us in Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us many different ways. Our Heart Radio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, basically, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, you'll be able to find Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and me can be found in the show notes at broadwayradio.com, as well as links to some of the things we've talked about today, including a very nice picture of uh, William Michael and uh, Michael Portantier. Mm. The, the, the Michaels. The Michaels. The Michaels. Yeah. The Michaels. One with, with an E, one without. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, they'll be uh, doing their their duo concert together all throughout the United <laughs> States later this year. If only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Peter, do you have an answer for last week's trivia? In 1776, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and Ben Franklin are shown to be the men who are most responsible for making the United States of America. But there was another award-winning property done a few decades earlier that gives most of the credit to Caesar Rodney of Delaware. What's the name of that property and what award did it win? 
Well, I'm talking about the winner of the 1938 Best Shot Subject to Real 17-minute film called Declaration of Independence that makes Caesar Rodney of Delaware the greatest hero. By the way, it also resolves the slavery issue, which is the thorniest one in 1776, in a mere two lines of dialogue. This shows up on Turner Classic Movies every now and then, so keep an eye out for it. Declaration of Independence is what it's called. Tony Janicki was back in first place, followed by Paul Witte, Joanna Abizi, Josh Israel, and Brigadude. Meanwhile, Jock, Jock, uh, sorry, Jack Leshner pointed out that Caesar Rodney's Ride, a children's book by Jan Chiripko, won a Parents' Choice Award in 2004. Well, that's not many decades earlier, but we'll give him credit anyway. So this week's question, he received a Tony nomination for appearing in what would become a Tony-winning musical. But if you buy the current CD of the original cast album, you'll only hear him do one song, although he sang five in the show. Who is he? What's the show? What's the explanation? <laughs> okay, if you have an answer for that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. So, Michael, uh, not sure what to do here about the musical moment. What are we going to do? Oh, yeah, I, I hadn't uh, given it a lot of thought, but I, I just occurred to me that, well, of course, West Side Story is in the news once again with the imminent release of the new film version. Also, uh, it, it certainly came up in the Rita Moreno documentary, so I've been thinking about it a lot. And here's an interesting thing. This was not planned uh, because the film the new film was to have been released what about a year ago mm-hmm. um yeah but now because of the delay it's going to open um almost 60 years after the ah. after the original which ah. the original was released on october yeah. 18th 1961 mm-hmm. and i guess the new film is coming out around christmas is that true uh-huh yeah i think mm-hmm. so christmas yeah uh, well, anyway, all of this got me thinking about it. And as we've discussed recently, uh, back in the day, there were many, many, many cover recordings of songs from Broadway musicals and film versions of them by just about every uh, recording artist who was worth anything at the time. And uh, one of the most beautiful cover recordings from West Side Story that I've ever heard is... Andy Williams recording of Maria uh, that he did on an album that was released, uh, I guess, shortly after the the film came out, because as I think we all know, um, uh, West Side Story really didn't become a phenomenon Mm -hmm. until the release Mm -hmm. of the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And so, but then it really did. And everyone was recording those songs. Mm -hmm. So uh, this album actually also contains also uh, Andy Williams singing tonight, which is gorgeous as well. But his version of Maria, I, I think you'll find to be exceptionally beautiful. And um, it's certainly, uh, I think it's a, a beautiful note for us to end this podcast on. So uh, tangential to that is that um, I think everybody else has announced when they're coming back, except for West Side Story. Right. Uh, someone online said that an announcement is imminent and that it's reopening in November. I, I have no idea how much credence to give to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I that too. 
Yeah. All right. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Videos this week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Maria, I've just met a girl named Maria, and suddenly that name will never be the same to me. Maria, I've just kissed a girl named Maria, and suddenly I've found how wonderful a sound can be Maria Say it loud and there's music playing Say it soft and it's almost like Stop saying Maria